As more advisors recommend partially self-funded plans to their clients, the right TPA can make or break the plan's success. What are innovative TPAs doing today, and what do you need to know? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Carrie Niblack. Carrie is CEO at ACS Benefits Services, which is a TPA located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Now, as more of you consider partially self-funded plans for your clients. Some of you may be intimately familiar with third-party administrators. Some of you may not really have an idea exactly what a third-party administrator does. And what I can tell you is that in a lot of ways, it's very different today than when I wore that hat back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. A lot has changed, and that's why we invited Carrie to talk to us today about some of the new things that are going on at TPAs. With that, welcome, Carrie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today, David. Thank you. So let's level set. I mean, y'all are still adjudicating claims. Yes, And, absolutely. you know, doing all the stuff that you normally do. What, what? Just talk briefly to level set for folks who may not understand. What does that part of the sausage making look like? Absolutely. So our main course of business is administering or adjudicating claims. So those claims usually in today's world come in electronically on file feeds from providers of service. And our job is to adjudicate those claims within the parameters of each client's plan document and do that with the highest level accuracy, both financial and procedural, to be sure that we are turning around payment for those services for our clients and their participants. So that's the core of of what TPAs do. They also check eligibility and they do all kinds of other, you know, crazy stuff and do audits and things. Do claims today all get auto adjudicated or only to a certain dollar threshold? And on average, client to client, what's that threshold? Sure. Yeah, we do have claims that are auto adjudicated, but not all claims. And there's a very important reason for that because we have security thresholds in place, as you indicated, both from a financial authority level, but also from a sophistication level, depending on the type of claim. So we'll start with the financial accuracy. Obviously, you know, we want that at 100% for our clients. We're known for that with a tight turnaround time. And so the higher the claim spend for a client, a particular claim, let's say an inpatient hospital claim, David, we'll say just for this podcast, it's going to be $100,000. Obviously, we want multiple levels of review on that just to give it that extra attention. So that's a typical type of claim that we are not going to auto adjudicate. We are going to manually adjudicate that claim, which means it's getting three to five sets of eyes and different levels of authority, just because that's a bigger cost to that self-funded client. So we, we consider ourselves to be stewards of their monies and take that very, very seriously. So we're going to put a lot of extra attention, 
and focus on being sure that that claim has gone through all of the appropriate levels of authority before we release those monies to the provider. So there's accuracy, but there, there's also the amount that's paid. Do, do, do TPAs also negotiate sometimes on some of these larger facility bills? Yes, absolutely. So using that same example of that $100,000 hospital claim, we would also put that through an extra level of underwriting medical review to be sure that we're not seeing unbundling of charges or to be sure that all of the Revenue codes along with that hospital claim makes sense for that particular procedure. So, for example, you wouldn't want to have a pregnancy test, right, for a male on an inpatient hospital claim. So, we're, we're reviewing things to that nth level on revenue codes and then all of the itemization behind it to be sure that that makes good sense. Likewise, if you're having an inpatient surgery, we want to be sure that what we call the CPT code, which is a technical term, but but basically how the hospital is billing procedures. We want to be sure that there's not what we call unbundling, which means that a certain procedure code should be comprehensive and all the things included with it. So you're charged that flat fee. Now, there were some newer codes that, or updated codes that came out a few years ago. Are, did those bundle more things or did they unbundle? What was the effect of those? Yeah, it's it's uh, there were more comes, codes that came out, and then it's a tighter review, more comprehensive coding. So with that, it means that the the new and improved coding, the descriptions are much more comprehensive. So they're very very specific, and. We have software, obviously, in our administration processes that review all of that. There are a million edits that go with that. But really what we're talking about with with these samples and hypothetical claims is the really the level of review and attention to detail that we take with every single claim. So that's a reason why very good TPAs in the industry don't auto-adjudicate 100%. You want to be sure that you're you're double checking, triple checking. It's that whole thing, measure twice, cut once before you would cut that type of check. And TPAs also handle appeals, right? And I know ERISA has some very strict time frames around those, the elements of those appeals, but that's something else that you guys handle for clients also, isn't it? Exactly. You're exactly right. So in our plan documents for, or clients' plan documents, there is a very definitive section on appeals and it sets out, yes, very specific time frames, and we do handle those for the majority of our clients. So that's typical, typically occurs when a participant has a question or a provider has a question about how a claim was initially adjudicated, and they are writing in to say, you know, please take a look at that again. Now, before we get into some of the newfangled cool things that, that TPAs are doing, I know one of the reasons that working with at least with it, if you'll pardon an old-fashioned phrase, TPAs, is that there's a high ability for advisors to help customize plans and plans of benefits for their clients. How much of that kind of stuff do you see, or are you seeing kindly, you know, 85% plain vanilla, and then the rest of it is, is customized? We are seeing a very high level of customization in our book of business. So, Everything from the pharmacy benefit manager uh, to very special nuanced benefit structures. So I'll give you an example, telemedicine. We have, it's not just the vanilla telemedicine that came into play a few years ago. Now we are having clients customize that with behavioral health services tied in. I had a call just this morning on virtual PT, which will be new to the marketplace anywhere around the country. So you know, if we stick with just the telemedicine, certainly with COVID restrictions and all of the things that 
participants need to have done, yet still being safe in what's going on in the country right now. There's a very high level customization per client. You could even break that down further, which we do with discussions with our clients about, okay, so you want to have telemedicine, how far would you like that to go in your plan document? So do you want that to cover general physicians? Do you want that to include specialists? And those are very specific questions, very customized benefit structures just on that one area. Virtual PT. That's interesting. I, I, I'm assuming that that's physical therapy that would be done kind of like on a video call. Exactly. So again, that's a, an example of the cutting edge customization that will be new. We're getting ready to do a press release on that. But for the industry, yes, I had not heard of that or considered that either until probably about 30 days ago. And that's where we, you know, as the CEO of a TPA, we are constantly looking in our industry at how do we help contain costs and yet still get such specialized benefits to our clients and their participants and how socially responsive as well, right? That could have been something that we never looked at or we didn't think outside of the box. And I'm very proud of our industry in that we are continually looking at things that innovative that, you know, if you'd asked me again, even six months ago about physical therapy and how that might be delivered, I will be honest and say as a CEO, I wouldn't have answered it like that. And now my answer is totally different. You know, that's kind of the fun of what's going on in the industry, albeit being pushed for some very not fun reasons. But there's there's always innovation going on, and it, it's it got to be a lot to kind of stay on top of that. But I'd, I'd like to dial back for a second. You mentioned two words that I know some advisors know all about and some advisors don't know anything about, and that's plan documents. What are plan documents? Why are they important? And how does an advisor go about getting that? Is that something a TPA handles or do they have to go to an ERISA attorney or is that the plan's responsibility? How does that come about? Yeah, so we'll take those one at a time. Fantastic questions. So with self-funded clients, the employer is the plan fiduciary. And with that, the service that a TPA can provide, and most TPAs do provide, uh, you know, on a very normal level, is that we provide the plan document for the employer to review and accept that is, in essence, the Bible, if you will, for their benefit structure. So that plan document is the document that sets out all of the rights and responsibilities of the plan. It sets out the schedule of benefits for participants. It sets out appeal rights that we talked about earlier. It, it basically is the, we call it the four corners of the document, that, you know, it basically sets out all of the benefit structures, what's covered, what's not covered, definitions of terms, all of those good things the financial structure of the plan, what's the deductible out of pocket, all of that. A good TPA will have a template for that. And again, this is where our theme today is going to be customization or one of our themes because a good TPA in this industry will work with the employer's consultant if they have one or and or with the executive team at the client to go through that in fine detail and, and really get a pulse point on what is important for that client to cover? Because for different industries and different size clients, those answers change. So it's a very high level customization. You do not have to go to an ERISA attorney, but certainly I can speak for, I would say almost 100% of the TPAs around the country, my peers, who we all do this, I think exceedingly the same. And that is, it is a, a plan document template that has been prepared by either a, a firm or numerous ERISA attorneys. And, and that's the starting point, kind of like the framing of a new house. And then as you're building the inside of that house, that is very customized to each employer and, and what they want to offer their participants. 
And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. And so let's talk about some of the things that are in the market today that either are coming back or might be new. And let's let's start with what what I've always called partial self-funding on training wheels, which is kind of level-funded plans. Yes. They've never really gone away. But do you think, I mean, it seems to me from the conversations we have on the podcast and elsewhere, that there's kind of a resurgence. It's like, you know, for folks who aren't willing to go into the deep end of the pool, but no, they don't want to stay in the fully insured, the traditional fully insured market. That is absolutely correct. You've hit on a big trend right now. There is a complete resurgence of what we call level-funded plans, and we're looking at those plans as solutions for companies that are less than 100 employees. That's certainly a change as well that started with the ACA. So it used to be, as you know from, from leading TPAs, that you wouldn't normally think of self-funding for clients below 100. Well, that has certainly changed over the last 10 years or so. And now this big resurgence for small companies that are less than 100 employees or certainly 100 to 250 in that space as well, where approximately about 14%, I would say 14, 50% of those companies are are self-insured. But we're seeing this resurgence in that number growing because With a well-designed level-funded plan, there is the ability to keep reserves versus if they are fully insured, they do not. So that's a huge change in the industry from both a size perspective and looking at solutions for for employers in that size, but also then in how that level-funded plan is structured and how that relates to the employer really realizing the benefits of being self-funded. How often do you find that people who start with level-funded plans end up going full-tilt boogie into a partially self-funded plan? Quite a bit, depending on size. So we have clients in our industry that can remain level-funded year-over-year if that's working for them and they're comfortable with that structure. Or there can be the jump then to, as you said, a normal full-on self-funded plan. Really, the difference there is from an accounting standpoint, even greater control, greater options for renewal structure, that type of thing. So I would say probably, again, depending on size, you're looking at plus 70% of employers will make that switch eventually, yes. Wow, that's huge. I didn't realize it was that big a number. Yeah, well, I think it's because the comfort level. So if you have an employer that will just say 100, that is 100 lives, likely they will come over from a fully insured space to a level funded plan, they can elect to stay there, like I said, year over year, or they can move to fully self-funded. And 
uh, if they are growing in size, that percent goes up. If they certainly if they reduce in size, now that may change my percent with what we see in the in the marketplace. But the neat thing about being self-funded and working with TPAs in our industry is that you can go either way. And it really depends on what's going on with your cash flow and your employee levels and how you want to structure benefits. So another thing with a level funded plan is a great level funded plan will be able to be customized just like a self-funded plan. So, and that's good to know because a lot of small employers are looking for that kind of customization. Yeah. So let's let's touch on an area that isn't maybe medically related directly in terms of paying claims, but has become huge. And that's one of the other benefits that you get with a even a level-funded plan or a partially self-funded plan, and that's data, because now um, TPAs can provide data, and I presume most do, that help advisors help their clients to make intelligent decisions about plan design and other programs that they bring in. How big a part of your business is transmitting and receiving data in forms that is is intelligible to mere mortals? It is a huge part of what we do, and and it gains traction every single day because businesses use that data to improve their health plan performance, i.e. reduce cost, or they can use it to improve the complexity the variety, they will see trends. I'll give you a very specific example that I reviewed with a client just recently. That particular client is a dental practice here in North Carolina. And the owner of that business sat down with my team and I, and we were going over their data analytics. And and I was very impressed with this because there's a report that he was interested in. He has a lot of single employees with children, um, whether that be male or female. And it was important for him with his benefit structure from a retention standpoint, which that comes in, that's HR, but from a retention standpoint and ownership standpoint, he said to me and he challenged me that it was important for them to be able to offer a benefit where they wouldn't have to necessarily leave the office or they could get good care, valuable care without having to go to the emergency room overnight or you know after hours. So from a data analytics standpoint, we provided a customized report that showed, based on all of their claims incurred and processed and paid, use of emergency room. And we broke that down definitively Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for him, the time of day, time of night, and what those conditions were. It was amazing that we did that all on one page. And so he said, this is the best report I have ever seen. Because how that parlays then into his decision-making as an owner is this. Okay, great. Then this helps me decide whether I want to, if we had, let's say that he didn't have this, but let's say that there was an, uh, an overuse there of emergency room utilization. Okay, well, then he might consider putting an extra deductible structure on that. Or he might put, in a positive way, a very small co-payment structure on urgent care in lieu of emergency room care because there's a price differential there too. We added telehealth to that plan so they could also, from their car, from their break room, get physician care 24-7 for themselves or their children or their spouses. So if we think about, back to your question, that was one page in a client's report but look at how many things we could do with that data and how important it was to him as a business owner for retention of his employees, employee goodwill, being sure that 
those families were really cared for well by attending physicians. And something I'm very proud of from our industry, you have to be looking at the data. You have to be using it from a consulting standpoint, and it just keeps getting better and better as technology improves. We've got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk for a moment about kind of the other side of the data and analytics coin, or at least the way I see it, and that's transparency. There's a lot of conversation around transparency or the lack thereof. What do TPAs do to help ensure transparency back to the client? We have the world at our fingertips with those data or that data and the analytics with that in the reporting. So from a transparency standpoint, whether that is through contracts with vendors or our contract and using that data to then consult, when we talk about transparency, we can go as deep into that data to, we talked earlier about procedure codes, to procedure codes, to diagnosis codes, to de-identified Male participants, female participants, are they getting wellness care? I mean, I could we could talk about this over coffee or drinks all day, but the transparency there is critical. And the customization, again, the theme of today goes with that because we should, as leaders in the industry, especially for a self-funded client where, again, we're stewards of their money, they should be able to call our company and say, I want to see this piece of data as raw as you can make that for me or as thorough as you can make it as transparent as you can make that for me because then we're going to use that to make XYZ decisions. So everything we do from our administration contract to contracts with other vendors to reporting on what the overall plan cost is for a particular client, all of that in 2020 and beyond should be transparent. If a client is not getting those answers or access to that data, they need to review the vendor partnership in the market because it really is that easy. It should be that transparent. But most importantly, the consulting piece of that, David, is critical. And what do you do with that then? Absolutely. Well, you're right. We could talk forever and a day about all this stuff and and we'd love to have you back. But at the moment, that's a good place to end our, our conversation. And I think what you've done has helped our listeners have a real great roadmap for questions they ought to ask if they're entertaining the notion of using a particular TPA and if they're interviewing TPA. So uh, Carrie Niblack, CEO at ACS Benefit Solutions. Carrie, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with the audience. Pleasure to be with you today. You got me all excited and and <laughs> uh, j- jazzed up about our conversation and, and helping everyone with benefit decisions and, and how to look at the market. Well, it's a critical role. And, you you know, if you're an advisor, you've got to find the right partner. You've got to find that fit. And if you don't, it will be miserable no matter what they do. And if you do, it's magic for the client. So that's really what we're all about. Thanks again, Carrie. Thank you so much. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. 